The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Javante, Jacob, Katia, Andrew, Tia, Violet, Dustin, Shahizi, and the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to uh, the second half of our weekly roundtable armchair politics on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as well. Thank you, Tom. And it's uh, nice to have uh, Jennifer Curlin back. She is the 2018 Green Party nominee uh, for governor, and uh, it's it's always fun when Jennifer's with us. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks so much. Thank so you, good Jennifer. To um, good to have you here, Jennifer. Boy, that first hour flew by. Um, it did. It did. That's because Jennifer is here. <laughs> <laughs> that you know that that just might be Henry. Um, That's true. <laughs> the, the U.S. government has approved funding for Michigan to use the National Guard in its fight against the coronavirus through March 31st, and that role is expected to include help distributing vaccines, Governor Gretchen Whitmer said Thursday. Funding to allow Guard members to receive federal pay and benefits had been scheduled to expire at the end of this month. How unusual is it um, or does it seem to have the National Guard helping with vaccinations in the U.S.? I think that will make that a lot of people very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although we There's use them no for longer. natural disasters, don't we? I mean, during the floods and snowstorms and hurricanes and all of that, don't we use them for that? But well, it's a little different having there, a, But it is unusual. It's, it's, it's yeah. a little different having having a soldier pile up sandbags in front of your house right, and sticking right. a needle in your arm. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, yes. I, no, yeah. I'm wondering, are, are they going to do the actual... <laughs> Are they going to do the actual vaccinating, or are they just setting up the the locations and the booths and the? Well, the the, the article in the, the statement uh, refers to distributing the vaccines. Yeah, so, distributing. And and it sounds like it's more little logistics more than that could the actual be, vaccination. Yeah, itself. just bringing boxes from the warehouse. I you know, but but there yeah. was something about just having the national guard involved in the process that that seemed. I I don't I un-American sounds too strong, but it but it just seemed like an image that isn't very uh, freedom friendly to see people lined up to get shots from the military. I mean, it's but uh, but I like think 1940s like Soviet Russia, right? Like well, there yeah, would be like a kind photo of. that looked like that. Yeah. Well. Things have changed, and, and, and the, the virus requires absolute discipline and structure and order. And so when and the virus itself, the antivirus, has to be uh, kept at temperatures below zero Fahrenheit and below Wait, zero. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think it's, it's around... Uh, one of them, I, I don't know which one we're using, whether the one has to be kept at 70 minus or at uh, 10 below uh, yeah. Fahrenheit. No, like I said, uh, when, when I heard that, I was thinking more logistics. I, 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 I presume medical personnel will be doing the actual vaccinating, I hope. Yes, <laughs> and I, I think I so. presume they were just bringing in the freezers and the, and the uh, tents and the boots and whatever else they need. for the And maintain the structure and the order. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. Um, where did yeah, I leave? I th- yeah, it's just going to make people really uncomfortable if they're if there's like soldiers around and they're getting a vaccine. I can't imagine that they would have soldiers like around. You know what I mean? Like I just well, and and maybe Paul has a, a better handle on uh, on what this means to have them involved in the distribution that they're. You know, they come by with an army truck in the morning and drop off a bunch of boxes of vaccine at a at a vaccination location, and then, you know, they're they're off to something else. Well, they did water that way here in Flint for a while. And well, that's true. And, and, really and that was yeah. And that was a yeah. that was a little troubling. You know, they they had to start just leaving pallets on people's porches because people wouldn't come to the door. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, Governor Gretchen Whitmer's administration is seeking additional state dollars to continue COVID-19 response in Michigan, asking the legislature for more money to fund ongoing testing and contact tracing needs, as well as building a framework for distributing vaccines once they become available. In a supplemental budget request submitted to lawmakers Thursday, State Budget Director Chris Kolb recommended roughly $300 million in state spending, $192 million of which would go to the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services for testing, contact tracing, food assistance for children, and continuing a $2 per hour wage increase for direct care workers. The request also includes specific funding for managing uh, administration of a COVID-19 vaccine in coordination with healthcare providers and local health departments. That's in addition to a previous ask 
made by Whitmer for a $100 million economic stimulus package to support families and small businesses hard hit by the pandemic. How do you think the legislature will respond? Negatively. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you that. might be right, Henry. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And we don't, don't have, have the it. same flexibility the feds do when we it comes to running a deficit. So that, well, that could be an issue. The priorities of Lansing are not public health and how people are faring in this pandemic. That's not a priority of, you know, anyone. But for the governor, it is. Yeah, well, well, you, you can't mean, say that. But the governor is the head of all of the people in the state. She's the people's representative. And that's what a priority is. You know, she has, she has, she has to the work with the governor to, to put forth these things, right? But mm-hmm. I think it's also her duty that she needs to put the pressure on the legislature to pass those that. Yes, you know, of I course. mean, it's, we're in an emergency. People need relief. People need help. We definitely need more money into our public health departments and the testing and the contract tracing. You know, I mean, there needs to be massive, I, I would hope, more public pressure to, to pass something like this, too. Well, she's the first I, governor we've had in quite a while yeah. that's actually served in the legislature. That's true. Mm-hmm. The last two had not. You know, I was thinking, too, that when you think about the politics of it, my guess is that a lot of those small business folks who are under pressure now of, with a pandemic may very well be Republican voters tr- traditionally, and they may be in a position to put pressure on, on their lawmakers. Um, yeah. I, I suspect many of those who are it's the small business people especially who are being hurt traditionally would be more likely Republican voters. I mean, I'm surprised that the restaurant industry is not going hard on this, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, they've been going hard yeah. about, you know, being open, but they need to be going hard about, well, if you want to be open, you got to put some pressure in to make this stop. <laughs> well, I, I think that the businesses are, are working toward uh, the reduction and the loss of businesses that can't start up in, mm-hmm. when, when we open up again. They just don't have the money. They've lost everything, law employees and facilities and stuff like that. And, and that's what... Uh, yeah, I think even with the vaccine, Henry, we've got a ways to go. Yes. Oh, yes. This we've is incredibly damaging to small businesses. And if, if businesses right now, if they're not open, they're more than likely never going to reopen. And the irony is that we're losing, the irony is that we're losing our experienced, talented, educated, prepared people who engage in the business process. Mm-hmm. What are we going to have left there once these, go ahead. I was going to say, did I see a story that, that suggested almost a third of the restaurants may never reopen? I mean, I, I, yes. I mean I'm not sure where oh, that yes, number came from, but. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that's yeah. I'm sure I, I, that's probably a minimum. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and see if we can squeeze this one in. I'm having to jump around a little bit because uh, it's um, there, so much has been going on that that I actually have more notes than I typically do. 
Um, Enbridge Energy plans to ask a federal judge to dismiss Governor Whitmer's order to shut down the controversial oil and natural gas liquids pipeline, Line 5. The filing this week is essentially a notice to the judge and the state that it will seek a dismissal of Whitmer's move to revoke Line 5's easement to operate the pipeline in the Straits of Mackinac. As of right now, the Canadian company has until May 21 to uh, May 2021 to stop the flow of oil and natural gas through the line. Whitmer announced the shutdown of the line in November following a review by the Michigan Department of Natural Resources of Enbridge's compliance with the easement. How do you expect Enbridge to fare in court? Oh, goodness. I hope they lose and they lose hard. That's all I can say. <laughs> Spoken like a member of the Green Party. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I'm trying to think in terms of the, the past history. They have lost before on similar grounds, haven't they? Yeah, I, I think there were some I, previous I, court tests. But that really raises a lot more questions than it answers if the pipeline is, in fact, shut down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have broken the terms of, you know, the agreement. So, you know, they should lose, but who knows? Well, it'll be... Uh, well, you get, the other point is you've got a somewhat different mix for the Supreme Court now than you had in the past. That may be, a, may, may be another factor leaning toward them losing, I suspect, to the extent that political party matters on the court... And it's hard to say for the Michigan Supreme Court, not always the case, but it's a little bit different mix in terms of the party alignments now. And and it's shifted a little bit in terms of gender. That's what's also true. That's right. Yeah. As as did the uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. Did you see this case? Uh, I I don't have a chance. We only got about two minutes until the next break. But this the Texas Attorney General who's suing Michigan over the election results. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. Dana Nessel I, called it a publicity stunt. My question is, what's the publicity going to look like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you strike out over and over and over again, that may not be the greatest. Well, I'm not so sure that this doesn't have some substance. We got to wait and see. Well, how it, many cases does Trump lost? He's lost well, 30 or 40 those, cases. But, but this one is different. They they've. Uh, and the and the uh, states that were uh, questionable. Um, well, this, uh, it's, it's the swing the states to cover the swing states. Yeah, yeah. it's Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, and Wisconsin. So they combined them all, and Texas is suing on their behalf. So uh, he's suing the four the of them. To I mean, the Trump camp is just excessively litigious about this election. Well, I mean, you know, I, I've always said that if you were writing one of these these uh, thriller political novels, the James Patterson or Grisham novels, <laughs> made up a plot like this, nobody would believe you. This is just too good. Well, it, it would never get published. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anyway, we do I have mean, to. At least we're going to get really good movies in the future about this this time period yeah. in the election. I think you're right, Jennifer. That's my, true. My favorite thing is uh, 20 years from now. What is the 2020 20th high school Ooh, reunion going to look like? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh Everybody going to stay home? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm you glad that's over. Without proms and, and all of these, you know, senior skip days and things. I feel so bad for them. Yeah, every day is a senior skip day now. we got to take a short break, and we'll be back with more armchair politics on the Tom Sumner program right after this. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, 
Visit cdc.gov. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, healthcare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to geneseehealthplan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Sumner Program. What do comic books have to do with Susan B. Anthony, Stormy Daniels, and Congressman John Lewis? Find out New Year's Eve 2020 on the Tom Sumner Program. Author Mark Schulman talks about comic book biographies of Walt Disney and Susan B. Anthony. The creative team from Tidal Wave Productions talk about a new comic book series called Stormy Daniels' Space Force. Plus, former congressional aide Andrew Aiden talks about developing a three-part comic book series about the civil rights movement called March with Congressman John Lewis. The Tom Sumner Program continues our look back at 2020 with comic books for New Year's Eve, streaming live from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com, repeating online all day and night, simulcast on 92.1 FM in Flint at 9 a.m. and p.m. Happy New Year from the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we continue with uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, this was something that that we talked about um, uh, maybe last week. I I, I think I've had conversations with Paul and uh, with Brendan Beery about uh, about this, um, this very issue. Where President Donald Trump decides to spend the final weeks of his presidency has become a matter of internal speculation as aides wonder whether he'll leave the White House for the holidays and never return. At this stage, at this stage yeah. there are plans for Trump to remain at his Mar-a-Lago estate in Palm Beach over Christmas and New Year's, but the guidance offered to staffers ends there, people familiar with the plan said. Trump could return to Washington for the final days uh, of his term, but there have also been some discussions about the president and the first lady remaining in Florida and not coming back to the White House, a White House official said. What will outgoing President Donald Trump's last days look like? Oh, I don't think he's going to come back. I I can completely see that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's going to be at the inauguration, and whether no. he comes back to pick up his <laughs> pick up his mail or not, I don't know. <laughs> well, you guys <laughs> underestimate uh, Donald Trump. That's not Donald Trump. You th- Donald Trump defies whatever barriers they are put before him. Do, and do if you we think want to he'll... make a martyr out well, of him? We can, and that's what he's probably hoped for. Do you, well, you know, there's, there's all that talk about. It. Go ahead, Henry. 
No, no, go no, yeah, oh, Paul, okay. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, there, there's, there's, there's talk about him trying to uh, pull off some kind of a 2024 kickoff campaign, either on Inauguration Day or the day before, or somewhere to, to steal Joe Biden's thunder. And maybe he'll well, have he some can big do fireworks show in Florida, or who knows. But, yeah. but Paul, was it there, you or... No, was it you or no Brendan? That. Yeah, was it you or Brendan mm-hmm. Beery, Paul, who uh, was telling me about uh, a president who did that? He uh, basically um, didn't stick around for the inauguration. He uh, packed up his stuff and kind of bugged out in the dead of night. I think I think Andrew Johnson may have done that uh, when, when he, after when he left in what eighteen seventy two. See, I was I thinking think it was one of the or, Adams. Or sixty eight. Sixty eight would have been Johnson. Uh, yeah, it, it might have been Andrew Johnson didn't make it to the inauguration. It may well have packed up early too. Yeah, I was th- for some yeah. reason I thought it was one of the Adamses. It, it may have been. I think one of them. Le- I think John Adams. Yeah, I also think you, left early yeah, too. It was John. That's right. Yeah, that was mentioned last week. There was John there was Adams. no love lost between him and Jefferson in eighteen hundred. Yeah. So yeah, he, once he lost, he figured he was out of there. Now with. Uh, with all sensitivity to uh, to Henry here, here's an, another interesting uh, Donald Trump-related <laughs> thing that that, that sort of flips the script. Chris Krebs, the former top administrative official for cybersecurity, whom President Donald Trump fired after the election, is suing the Trump campaign and a lawyer working with the campaign to overturn the results of the election, accusing them of defamation. Krebs was fired after he said the election was the most secure in American history, yet the Trump campaign has continued to push unfounded conspiracies of voter fraud and to seek court orders that would block President-elect Joe Biden's win in key states. Every one of the efforts in court with state officials since Election Day to overturn the results of the election have failed. Last week, Trump campaign lawyer Joseph DeGenova said on uh, Newsmax TV that Krebs should be drawn and quartered and taken out at dawn and shot. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> you can't See, make this, this is the kind of stuff that I don't like. I, well, I, I, this I, is the guy. Anytime someone sends me something like that, I completely delete it, whether Republican or Democrat. This is the guy, Chris Krebs. Oh, you're talking about those threats and, and agreed. I think a lot of people were really put off by those comments uh, by Joseph DeGeneva. But Chris Krebs is the guy who said this was the most secure election ever and was immediately fired. And now he's suing for defamation. Will this have any effect on untarnishing Krebs's credibility and or reputation? I mean, well, only by not 50% in the Republican of the population. Game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not he, sure the loss would be critical to the reputation. I think the facts are going yeah. to save his reputation more than a particular lawsuit. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe there's some There's no way he can that. prove that that was the most uh, safe and secure election. He does not report the news. He has not done the research. He is making suppositions. He was the administration's... That could be the results of a study. Henry, he was the administration's official for cybersecurity for the election. But where did did his support come from? He had to have someone else feeding information into the process. 
he only knows just a little bit of the information. You have to have collective groups of people feeding you the, the facts. But well, when it comes down when it comes down that. to that, Henry, we're all operating <laughs> on other people's facts. Yeah. <laughs> <Probably. That's true. laughs> yeah, okay. Wait and wait. Um <laughs> let's see. Where was the Oh, here this was uh, an interesting um an interesting move in uh, Congress this last week. If anybody's wondering what uh, what our elected officials are doing with their time during COVID-19, congressional Republican leaders rejected a resolution that asserted that Joe Biden is president-elect, the latest effort by the Hill GOP to refuse to accept the election results, even though it's been clear for weeks that President Donald Trump lost. The rejection came Tuesday in a private meeting after House Majority Leader uh, Steny Hoyer offered a motion to affirm that it is preparing for the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Rules Committee Chairman Roy Blunt of Missouri voted with House Republican Leader Ken McCarthy in blocking the motion, effectively preventing the inaugural committee from publicly accepting that the upcoming inauguration will be for Biden. Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, the ranking Democrat on the Rules Committee, voted with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Hoyer voting in favor. Yeah, but those are just conversations, guys. Those are not found in fact and striving to upset this progression of of, uh, Joe Biden to the seat of president at noon. On January 20th. That's a a foregone conclusion. Here's a a question, and Henry, you've you've been uh, an elector for the Electoral College many times. Will Republican congressional leaders accept reality after next week's vote by the Electoral College? Many of them are doing that now. That's true. They want to, yeah. So uh, at the end of track, what's going to happen, that this event is going to occur without violence in the tradition of all American elections. That's it. You know, one, one worry I have, Henry, though, is after this is all said and done, are there still going to be a significant fraction of Republicans, and maybe others too, who just don't accept the results of the election? I mean, I think that's the most worrisome thing in the long view. Are there going to be people for the next four years who are still going to be talking about hoaxes and conspiracies and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's, that's too yeah. bad. That's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, even uh, nations around the world are going to deem the same thing. So uh, we got to get on and make sure that the fabric that holds the democracy together is stays put. That's the only, there are no options. Well, I mean, we could certainly move to more transparent elections. That would be an option. That would be nice. How could they be more transparent? I, You know, I spent well, a good five or have... six days watching people count votes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, I, I... You know, yes. I mean, like the, the, the counting process that was, you know, happening on television, yes. But 
when you look at like, you know, I mean, specifically in Michigan and you look at the, we have different voting machines across the state. There's not one voting machine that we all use. There are issues with some of the voting machines when it comes to um, what I would consider in from banking to be dual control, right? That the machines are, can be secured by just one person and one person can tamper with the machines. Like there's just certain things that within our election process and things that can be tightened up to make things more secure and to be more transparent within our election process. That's just, I'm not even like necessarily criticizing like this election. I'm just saying like in general, like they, there are more things we can do. But there are some things that you can see that was, was uh, absolutely anomalies. Uh, one of the things noticed, the people who uh, were counting the ballots and moving those around were a significant portion of black Americans. But when they came to uh, this lawsuit that Republicans are, are having, you see no African Americans testifying in the process because they didn't understand the process to begin. And you will not get an African American to go before the public and make a fool of himself. Democrat or Republican. They just don't understand the process. What the, those voting machines can do, uh, they not, may not be scripted to that. And so they have nothing, they've done no research, they have nothing to say. And that was what makes this whole process so dubious. They should have had African Americans up there saying, yeah, I, I did it and I'll do it again. But you Henry? You there, Henry? Did we lose Henry? I don't know. I don't know. He just kind of like cut out. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I, I was just gonna add. I, I with all with all the controversy this year, I, I was inclined to agree that this is probably the most transparent and probably the most honest we've ever had. Um, and one other thought I've had is, uh, in light of the kind of the, the computer and, and uh, voting machine problems. I've, I've really become a bit more of a fan of the mail-in voting. I, I think there are some real advantages to that, not just in terms of turnout, but you do have a paper record uh, of the actual ballot. So I, I may, maybe after all the pandemic is said and done, we may take a second look at the mail-in process and might make uh, make greater use of that in the future, I would hope. Well, I, yeah, but if I mean, you, said, you said the mail-in process, I think most people... Um, and I'm not going to say most people because I don't know if most people did this. I mailed mine in, but I think a lot of people did more of a hybrid. They got their ballot in the mail, but then they filled it out and took it to a drop-off location. Yeah, well, I, I, well in the I primary, did. I, did the, I used the, the, the postal service, and then for the general, I, I went to a drop-off location. So either way, but I mean, the fact of having, having the paper ballot in your hand, uh, however you drop it off worked out pretty well. And I, as I say, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I, I, this is the first year I've ever voted that way. And I, I think there's a lot to be said for it. That was yeah. the Well, you know, a lot, of, a lot of other countries, you know, do similar things. And, and I think that we should be used to waiting a day or two for results, like countries do, so that you can physically go through ballots and do, you know, the, the counting that needs to happen and show the process transparently. Like, I agree with you, like, showing the process, showing people counting, like, showing, like, these things need to be part of, like, our regular election 
you know, every day, like every election, you know, we're seeing people counting, we're seeing the transparent process. I think that's really important to just democracy in general. Even though... Go ahead, Henry. I like the idea of doing the mail-in voting. And I'm with you, Paul, and I'm with everybody else on the platform for the same thing. But there are some things that were done surreptitiously. For example, to mobilize African Americans to go out and, like trained monkeys, pull levers and uh, cast a vote is, is, is doubtful, is dubious in the beginning. And the Republicans never had a chance. Well, but that's... they should have. They should have discussed that with with the with, with the number of black people in large cities. They will carry. They will carry the ball. There's no way that Republicans can win in cities, and they should have discussed this yeah, strategy but that's, open but the, so that Republicans could have could have had their input. American and, you know, political parties have had. You know, they're voting blocks, um, marching to polls. January 5th. We were reaching out to registered voters today to encourage you to vote by mail for Democrats Raphael Wannick and John Ossoff or to open U.S. Senate seats on January 5th. Press 1 to receive a text about voting in Georgia. And we don't even Press vote in Georgia. about applying for an absentee <laughs> ballot online. Thank you for being a voter. Hello, we are Progressive Turnout Project, and we are calling about the upcoming runoff election for the U.S. Senate on Tuesday, January How 5th. are we getting this we call? We are reaching out to registered voters today. Yeah, we I encourage you to vote by mail for Democrats Raphael Wannick and John Ossoff. Oh, to open U.S. Senate no. on January 5th. This is just a call Press in? Press 1 to receive a text about voting in Georgia. Press 3 for a text about applying for an absentee ballot online. Thank you for being a voter. Hello, we are Progressive Turnout Project. <laughs> and it's going to continue about the to play. Runoff election for the US oh, that's Senate interesting. Tuesday, <laughs> January 5th. We were reaching out yeah, I have no idea where that's today. coming from, folks. encourage you to vote by mail for Democrats Raphael Wannick and John Ossoff. I, I really honestly don't US know. Seats on January 5th. Press 1 to receive a text The only way I can do Georgia. it is disconnect the call Press and then we all have to call back for in. For ballot online. Thank you for being a voter. Hello, we are progressive. Yeah, I think we better do that. I think we better disconnect the call. Can you all for the US Senate on Tuesday, January 5th? We are reaching out to registered voters today to encourage you that's, to vote by mail for Democrats that's, that's, Raphael Wannick and John Ossoff usual or to open U.S. Yeah, seats on January Gosh. 5th. Press 1 to receive a text about well, voting in Georgia. I Press think. 3 for a text about applying for an absentee ballot online. What Thank you for you being like a voter. Hello, two. we are Progressive Turnout Project, and we are calling about the upcoming runoff election for the U.S. Well, Senate me, on Tuesday, January 5th. We are reaching out to registered voters today to encourage you to vote by mail for Democrats Raphael Wannick and John Ossoff for our two open No, I'm going to have to disconnect and uh, press one to receive a text call about voting back. in Georgia. Okay, press call us back. Text about yeah, applying that's for an what I'll do. Okay. Online. All right. Thank you for being okay. a voter. All right. Hello. We are. Pre- All right. We've got. Uh, I don't know how that happened. If that. Uh, is something that uh, made its way into our conference call or what? But uh, let me let me just uh, 
pop something in here. Um, here's a little something we didn't hear from uh, Sheldon Neely earlier from last night's speech while I reconnect with everybody. One way we have been moving forward is in cleaning up trash in our city, announcing our Fight Blight program that they cannot and no longer should they dump in our residential neighborhoods. Commercial dumping, residential dumping, no dumping of any kind. I need your help and your support on this. To date, the city of Flint has hauled away more than two million pounds of trash of blight from our community. This isn't residential garbage. This is trash dumped on purpose without care for our community. People who are living in our community, they matter. And we should not let ill will people dump garbage into our homes. Two million pounds of trash. And guess what? People are still dumping. When a group was cleaning up Councilman Davidson's ward, the second ward, the volunteers and work crews hadn't even finished packing up the equipment for the day. When someone dumped illegally again in an area they had just cleaned up. So what does that say about us as a community? We should not allow these individuals to dump in our communities. So I'm going to caution those who would want to treat our community like a garbage can. We have cameras. We will be enforcing the full measurement of law upon you if we catch you and when we catch you. You should not want to treat our home like a garbage can. So beware illegal dumpers. Stop your criminal activity. Don't treat your home like a garbage can. Okay, that was a little snippet from uh, last night's uh, State of the City Address in Flint by Flint Mayor, I, I almost said Woodrow Stanley, um, <laughs> <laughs> Sheldon Neely, and uh, I've got everybody back on the line, and uh, we managed to get rid of Georgia. Every five minutes they were interrupting me and uh, to vote for... Uh, Against the Republicans. Well, let's see. Okay. Um, well, we just got a couple minutes left, and then we go to my favorite part, the uh, the X Files. But I did want to bring up the. Um, uh, let's see. How did uh, I'm going to refer to Paul's list here? Um, oh, the uh, the Giuliani testimony in uh, Lansing. Oh, yeah. It was Saturday Night Live skits. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's what's interesting about that? And, you know, just aside from, from the whole breaking wind breaking news, um, <laughs> was was the, uh, the, the one blonde woman that testified, and they made a lot of fun of her in that Saturday Night Live cold open. And I saw an interview last night on uh, Inside Edition or something uh, with the woman who testified asking her about whether or not she was offended by that. And she wasn't. She loved it. She thought it was hilarious. And she thought the, uh, the actor from Saturday Night Live, which I think was Cecily Strong, was tremendous and did a great impression of her. Oh, I'm so glad 
that she wasn't sensitive because now people listen to what she had to say. Anyway, that that whole that whole testimony thing, and and that uh, the, the, the strange show it was bizarre. I, I, I didn't watch all of it, obviously, but I, but I tuned in periodically during those four hours and some strange testimony there. Yeah. I mean, I do have to say that this year's political theater has been the most um, interesting political theater. That I've is ever true. Seen. That is true. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back with the actual hey. X Files. <laughs> This is the They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. If you have a knack for sales and fundraising and would like to become a valued member of a fun team, you could be a good fit for the Tom Sumner program. Help us develop the underwriters needed to continue to grow our brand. Write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com. The Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. 
Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com oh, I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome to the portion of the show where we present the actual X-Files. Dressed in a Santa Claus costume, a mask, and flippers, a diver waved through a curtain of tropical fish in a Tokyo aquarium at socially distanced, uh, as socially distanced spectators watching from behind glass, continuing a more than 20-year-old tradition at the Sunshine Aquarium She held a Christmas wreath aloft as banana fish and a stingray swarmed by unperturbed and used a bazooka-shaped feeder to shoot out pellets for them to feast on. For Tokyo resident Ayami Kobayashi, 35, the entertainment was all the more welcome in a year overshadowed by a pandemic. This year, as daily infection rates inch higher across Japan, the aquarium has hosted the event on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays only and placed strict limits on visitors' numbers. Is Christmas doomed because Santa's swimming with the fishes? <laughs> could be the old mafia Christmas. <laughs> there you go. So good. So good. A man named Adolf Hitler has won an election in the southwest Ooh. African country Namibia, and he's Ooh. he's been kind enough to let everyone know that he has no plans to take over the world. Adolf Hitler, Unona of Namibia's Southwest African People's Organization Party was sworn in as counselor of the Ampudinja constituency on Wednesday. Speaking with German newspaper Bild, the 54-year-old Unona said that his father had picked the unorthodox name for him and was likely unaware of Adolf Hitler's infamous role in history. Mm. Namibia was also a former German colony from 1884 to 1915, meaning that a name like Adolf would not be uncommon. Do you suppose that somewhere in the world there's a public official named Osama bin Laden? <laughs> well, I was, I was struck by the fact that the second, 
did, did uh, anybody notice that the second guy to get the, the the vaccine in England was William Shakespeare? Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't yeah. think his first name was William. I think it was. No, it was. was it? His name was yeah. William Shakespeare. Yeah. I know it was yeah. Shakespeare, but I didn't think it was William. Uh, okay. Might have been George, I thought. Uh, and that may have been on a different uh, input station. Maybe they call him Bill. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was Bob would be Bill. Yeah. yeah. But I know it wasn't Williams because that name is so striking. Uh, but no, but his legal name was William Shakespeare. He's the second guy to get the uh, the vaccine in England the other day. Who was number yeah. three? Francis Bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Winston Churchill. <laughs> oh, maybe Marie Antoinette. Yeah. <laughs> Well, officials have launched an investigation into the strange appearance of a metallic monolith, this time in yeah. Romania, that's similar Romania. to similar to the one in the Utah desert that later vanished. One Romanian outlet reported Monday that the latest structure has also vanished, but that could not immediately be confirmed. The Romanian monolith, which has been described as a near twin of the Utah version, was found. Um, in the city of Piatra Nimt in uh, northeastern Romania on November 26th, according to a number of press reports supported by photos and videos. The 13-foot structure was made of dark metal and covered in what looked like a series of scribbled circles. It appeared close to the ancient remains um, of a uh, fortress, a battlement believed to have been destroyed by the Romans in the second century, the Romanian and Utah structures eerily resemble the giant monolith in Stanley Kubrick's classic science fiction movie 2001, A Space Odyssey, raising some observers' hopes that space aliens are visiting. Others <laughs> believe they're elaborate art exhibits. Do you think it's art or visits from aliens? Art. art. I think art and some imitators. I, I saw a thing on Facebook this morning that somebody saw one of those in Lansing within the last day or so. Somebody <laughs> popped up on a street in Lansing. Let me look in my Lyon and see if I see one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing I saw online was that, you know, after the second one appeared, they were like, okay, now when is Pepsi going to actually come out with this promotion? <laughs> yeah. Right. That's um, true. Well, Randy Zimmerman um, posted uh, something on Facebook that had somebody had, had rigged up what looked like a monolith out of a piece of, of what could have been um, uh, trailer skirting. <laughs> it was just this piece of aluminum, you know, and, and, and there was some caption to it, you know, this mysteriously appeared in my yard or, or something. <laughs> oh, that's too cute. <laughs> I'm not sure if, uh, if, if, yeah, what the heck. This is, this is the last one, so if we get knocked off the air, who cares. Uh, just days after a large phallus sculpture mysteriously disappeared from a Bavarian mountainside, a similar wood carving has appeared in its place. German news agency uh, reported this Thursday. The, um, the saga began several years ago when a two-meter-tall, almost seven-foot uh, sculpture appeared... Um, 
in the mountain in South uh, Germany, it quickly became a selfie magnet for hikers and even featured on Google Maps, where it was described <laughs> as a cultural monument. The, sc <laughs> the, the sculpture, uh, sculpture toppled over several weeks ago, only to be erected again. <laughs> Last <Sorry>. weekend, yeah. <laughs> Last weekend, it vanished entirely with only a pile of sawdust left behind. Even as local police probed the disappearance, the tale took a further twist Thursday with the discovery that a new, slightly larger carving of male genitalia had appeared at the site, propped up with wooden beams. Um, for <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, but for a sculpture of this nature, does size really matter? <laughs> oh. oh that's excellent well that wraps up uh the uh the x files and um today's edition of uh, armchair politics and uh, we have about two minutes left and i want to make sure before we uh, run out of time that i say Thank you to Jennifer Curland for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It was great. Thank oh, you, Jennifer. Thanks so much for yeah, Jennifer, me. Great to have you here, Jennifer. And, always uh, good to be here. And Paul, uh, Rosicki, and Henry Hatter, it's always a pleasure to have you two. I always hope I didn't here. make all of your lives miserable today, but uh, I feel good. <laughs> I feel oh. that the country is going to come together. I feel that our best days are yet ahead. So we didn't tease you too hard, did we, Henry? I hope not. <laughs> no, you guys were good. That you guys make me better than what I am, truly. <laughs> well, and and one last thing I, that that I want to uh, add, um, I just got an email from Max Kerner, who calls in from time to time. Uh, he's a uh, process server in Genesee County. And <laughs> yeah, a regular listener of the show and. Uh, and and calls in fairly often, and um, he has tested positive for COVID nineteen and oh, is uh, oh no. under well, quarantine he, until the eighteenth. And uh, he will get through it. I, I hope he, be okay. He, yeah. he will get through it. I, I, I'm I'm hoping that he will. And of course, uh, sending him if he's listening. Uh, my my best wishes for a uh, full and and speedy recovery. Absolutely. Yeah. Best wishes, Max. Yeah, Very best. Max. Thoughts his way. Any uh, any final thoughts in the last uh, thirty seconds? Uh, just been a crazy year in Electoral College. Next Monday, we'll see if that settles anything, or whether we we go on with this kind of stuff. Well, I'm but, I'm going to squeeze in one self-serving promo here in the remaining fifteen seconds, and that's that uh, coming up um, Christmas Day, doing a special show in memoriam. It's uh, the first hour is uh, Brendan Beery and I reflecting on the death of um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg right after oh. her passing. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's a, a highlight from the show. And two very high-profile people who passed away who had been guests on my show who died this year, uh, Carl Reiner and uh, Mary Higgins Clark. Mm. Mm. Anyway, they're, they're I'll be listening. very interesting yeah. uh conversations and, and interviews and a little something different for uh, for Christmas Day. Um, that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. So thanks everybody and uh, good night. Good night.
Thank, thank you, Jay, for your night. To acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.